Welcome to my podcast. I'm Libby Rothschild of Business Branding and Building. I'm a registered dietitian certified personal trainer. I've been a certified personal trainer for over 10 years. And as a registered dietitian, I manage nine streams of income. I am here to help you position yourself as an expert among your niche, make a lasting impact, and manage multiple streams of income as well. Join us, join me and our guests, and get inspired. All right, today I have Joyce with me today, so I'm going to go ahead and have you introduce your name, location, and length of time as a registered dietitian. Excellent. Um, Thank you for having me. My name is Joyce Haddad. I am the director of a dietitian's mission. I'm from Adelaide in South Australia, and I have been a registered dietitian or an accredited practicing dietitian, which is the official name in Australia, uh, since December 2015. So a little over two and a half years, if my math is correct. (laughs) And then are you working on your PhD now? Is that correct? I sure am. Yep. Um, Looking all into diet quality, uh, whole of diet approach and seeing how we can tailor our advice as um, on a as a population uh, based intervention to see if that would um, improve the diet quality of particularly Australian families so parents and children uh, any tips about dietitians who want to pursue their PhD and they're not sure if they should go that route yeah definitely so um, I guess the first and foremost um, advice that I can give from experience is if an opportunity comes along just apply just take it see just take the first step because that's exactly what I did I had no intention of uh, going into research I was a very people's based uh, person but the opportunity came uh, to me and after many conversations and thoughts I said heck what have I got to lose so let me just apply for this PhD and then next minute I've been accepted Um, so definitely just take that first step take the opportunity and then if you get accepted then you can make that decision you don't have to make a five-year decision from where you're at now Um, and if you don't get it then you know you can uh, look at other pathways Um, and I'm a big believer in fate and you know life does have a path for us and we just need to um, know how to I guess accept messages and listen to messages Um, and know what life is actually telling us, what way life is telling us uh, to go. And the second thing is um, if you really want to pursue research and want to do a PhD, I highly recommend you go into a topic, you do some prior reading to see what's missing in the topic that you're really interested in and approaching. We call them supervisors, uh, which is essentially the panel of um, research supervisors that you've got as a PhD. I'm not sure what is that they're actually called in the USA. Advisors? Uh, advisors, I think. Yeah, that's it. Um, uh, definitely do your research on potential advisors or supervisors um, because that relationship shapes the PhD. It's really important that you find um, those type of mentors that you have the same values and you have the same aims and goals in mind and also similar personalities as well because you need that personal uh, relationship to some extent. Um, yeah. 
Well, that's great. I'm excited for to follow you on that journey. And it sounds like a lot of the advice you give about the PhD trajectory is similar to just elevating your career as well, like working with a mentor and look diving deep into a specific subject matter. Obviously, a PhD is in its own field, which is really commendable. But uh, that advice is, is really good. That's great. Yeah, that's exactly right. All of all of this is applicable to and anything you want to do as a dietitian, that's for sure. Great. Great. All right. So how, how did you and I can. Is that a question? <laughs> it's a question. It's how I introduce guests. I guess I, my version, you could give your version. I mean, basically the answer is Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So I think I either found you or you either found me back in the day um, when you were at maybe 300 followers. <laughs> was it? Oh, wow. Okay. It was a long time ago. That's yeah. for sure. Um, actually not a very long time ago because you've, you've shot right up in a very short amount of time. So it wasn't a long time ago. Um, but it, essentially it's when, um, the productive dietitian had, initially began um and you were connected with joel fern which uh-huh. who, who is a melbourne dietitian and i know you were doing some work with him to produce some videos on instagram and i think i reached out and i said hey i'm really interested in doing a video with you um and with open arms you accepted me um we exchanged emails and then we set a time um, like a, a due date of when the video segment would be um, sent to you by. Um, do you remember what the first video was? I do. I natural versus added sugars. And it was like one of the second or third videos I ever did. And we did it together. And uh, I believe we, yeah, we had connected through Joel and also Nathan, who's another dietitian. Yes. Shot. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we connected through the men. Yes, through through the male dietitians and the rest is history. So <laughs> definitely been fun. So we've been uh, following each other for a while. And I also like the videos that you have on your site and all that kind of stuff. So that's great. Um, all right. So tell us about what you do as a registered dietitian or explain your role in under three In under three minutes? Okay. Cool. Um, it's like a three-minute thesis. <laughs> so as a dietitian, um, I might just give an overview of my week, basically. So on Mondays, I have a researcher hat and a private practice hat on. So uh, during the morning, I'm a part of a research trial here at the CSIRO, which is um, uh, Australia's main research organization um, and we are working on uh, a fact study. So what I do on Mondays is I um, recruit participants and they come in and I give them a dietetic consultation which explains to them what type of food um, uh, they need to eat and avoid throughout the trial, the intervention trial. Um, and then I send them away with the study meals. 
And then in the evenings, I go to my private practice, my work, and I consult a wide variety of patients from diabetes to celiac disease sufferers to um, IBS, post-infectious IBS, irritable bowel syndrome is a really big one because the clinic I work from is a travel travel medicine-based So we see a lot of people, travellers, coming back with parasites and bugs. Wow, interesting. Very interesting. Um, And then from Tuesday to Friday, I am a full-time phd so I either come into the research organisation, which is CSIRO, or I go into my university, which is Flinders University, Um, and it's a mixture of reading, writing, meetings, And on the weekend, I do fitness instructing. So I'm a a group fitness instructor and a personal trainer as well. So I teach a lot of uh, high-intensity training classes, aqua classes, um, resistance classes. And I really like that because I get a lot of um, time to converse with the participants about food at the end and um, I just love myth busting the the types of things that they may hear at that particular gym Um, and you know they appreciate the the sound advice that I give Um, and then Sunday is my day is my me beat um, yeah trying to just catch up on life and just actually getting some downtime before Monday rolls all over again. So that sounds busy and it sounds full and it sounds fun between the, the yeah, the fitness instructing and seeing a diverse um, group of patients or clients, right? So you've got the, the clinic, the research, and then the fitness on the weekend. So that sounds incredible because you're getting a variety, which is fun. So no one day is the same. Really? Definitely. And there's one more thing I forgot as well, which is um, organisation or policy related. I'm the chairperson of the Dietetics Association of Australia's South Australian branch. Um, So I'm responsible for leading a committee to organise lots of um, professional development events, member engagement events, and making sure that South Australians keep in touch with with our uh, organising body, governing body, who is the DAA, the Dietitians Association. Um, so that's just one little tiny. That's incredible. Yeah. How did you get connected with that? Was that a something you did during um, your studies, or is that something newer with the PhD work, or how did that fall into place? Yeah. So as a student, I signed up to be a student uh, representative at our. Uh, my fourth year, my final year of uh, dietetics. And then after that, I became a working group member after um, I graduated. And then after that, I got a um, professional development role on that committee. And then this year, I got um, appointed the chairperson position. That's incredible. So, again, it goes back to just take that leap, just take that step, be involved. Um, you might you might go into it and not enjoy it, but at least you know you tried. Um, on the other hand, you go into it, you might fall in love and you'll just stay, you know, whatever you decide to do. It may take you places you never would have imagined. I'm pretty sure I'm going to put that clip on my Instagram feed because that was just so incredible. I loved it. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. Great. So how has your job description evolved either, you know, in the, I guess in the PhD program or with any one of your roles since you started, you kind of answered for the, you know, your position with the dietetics, but what about the other roles? Have they evolved or have they been pretty static since the beginning? That's a good question. Um, I, I, I would say my private practice role has definitely evolved. I started off seeing a lot of uh, um, weight loss patients, chronic disease, um, and I have narrowed down my interest um, simply because I respect that there are many dietitians here in South Australia and Adelaide and I think specialising in a particular particular role not only develops you, develops your knowledge in that, in that topic, but it also gives other dietitians the chance as well to specialise in the field that they like because if all dietitians are seeing the same patients, seeing the same, uh, you know, types of conditions... And then it's so broad and, you know, patients start being confused of which dietitian to see, whereas if the public know that, okay, this nutrition professional specialises in this particular, um, you know, field, then that decision is actually better for them and it gives the opportunity for many other dietitians as well to to get access to, uh, for the public to get access to many other dietitians. Um, also, um, why I try to narrow down my topic, my specialization, um, and essentially is gut health at the moment, um, is because, um, I'm just so interested and fascinated in it. Essentially, I wanted my PhD to be in, um, gut health, um, however, you know, I got the next best thing, which was diet quality, which is just as amazing. Um, so I decided to focus the private practice on that on that passion that I have and focusing and working within something that you've got a passion in will just m- make you never have enough of learning. You'll just want to learn and learn and learn more. And it basically will make you the best in the field because um, Knowledge and courses and um, textbooks, you know, they can be given out to anyone. But passion is just one thing that you, you, can't, um, you can't learn. You're, you're born with that passion. So um, the passion definitely drove me into specialising into what I'm focusing on in private practice. Don't get me wrong, I still see a very broad, diverse um, types of conditions, but I make it very, very clear that personal-related um, issues is what I'm the expert in, essentially, so I- because I'm... Yeah, I love that. And I, I also agree that all dietitians need to find a niche. So like you said, the specialization is only going to help us. It's only going to help the public. And it's actually going to help our profession. So I actually see the future of dietetics as being very specialized. So, you know, gut health dietitian, pediatric dietitian, even more specialized than that, breastfeeding dietitian, adolescent dietitian. And so I think the earlier we can get on that and read and know everything about our specialty, the better. 
And it, yes. and that's also that's also true with social media as well. So the more specialized, the better, because you, that's how you stand out. So I'm so glad to hear you say that. And it's like really wonderful that you got quality for your PhD, quality of diet. And then you took your passion and that's what you're making out of your you know, private practice. So that's a great way to make the best of the situation because you can't control everything. So I love that. That's right. All right. <laughs> the sooner we know that we can't control everything, the better it is. Because I was, I was in that deep hole of, oh, no, I need to know everything. I need to make sure that I'm really good at everything. But that's never the case. It's always quality over quantity. If you know everything about one topic, it's so much better than knowing a little bit about 10 topics. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. It's just so valuable. And, and it's also just easier to stand out. So well said. So I have some questions about business and Instagram and just nutrition and dietetics. Do you want me to ask you the questions or do you just want to have like an off the cuff conversation? We can have a conversation. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Completely up to you. Yeah. The interview questions are just kind of like a formal, like a formal way that people know what to expect, but we can absolutely just chat to chat. Yeah. Okay. All right. right. So did you have a, a topic in mind beyond that you wanted to discuss or let us know what your, what's going on with you and your business or your PhD? Yeah, we can talk about social media. Sure. Like, yeah. Absolutely. So what in particular did you want to talk about with social media? Um, did, what was the question on your mind? And we can just discuss that as a topic. Sure. So, well, the, you mean the questions I have here for the interview? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we can just go and we can just converse about it. Yep. Yeah. So, I, the questions are, you know, what's your elevator pitch, uh, your focus on Instagram, and then a little bit about failures and successes that you've had on social and how that's kind of helped you uh, learn from your own area. And you already answered it, you know, letting go of control is a very translatable um, experience that I feel a lot of dietitians can relate with, especially high achieving dietitians like yourself who do so many things. And uh, I think that we get caught up in that a lot and it can hold our mindset back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, basically, I did touch on it. But the same things um, happen online and the same things happen on social media. And particular examples is um, when I and in, in the past, when I've posted on something that I actually knew I didn't know much of, it was reflected by the engagement. The engagement was not there. Um, and I know the engagement comes from the style of my writing, how I write. I, I make sure that I'm talking to a friend while I'm writing so that, they, you know, the reader understands or, you know, has my voice in their mind um, while they're reading that post. And in the past when I've posted on topics I wasn't very confident with, the engagement just wasn't there because it wasn't really my true passion. What my words, what I wanted to portray, portray in that post wasn't getting portrayed. So that's just one very small example of um, why I decided to just really narrow down um, on what it is I, I post. So I hardly post anything about 
for example, sports nutrition. I used to be really into it, you know, protein powders and supplements and things like that. But now it's like, you have nothing to do with sports nutrition. Let the sports dietitians post about sports nutrition. So that's, again, um, one particular example. Um, and as soon as I started to narrow down and, you know, I speak a lot about families because I resonate. I have a really big family coming from a Lebanese background. I have many nieces and nephews, so I post pictures of them and I post pictures of, you know, how they're doing things so that parents can resonate with that post. Um, and on the other end of the spectrum, I post about, a post about diet quality and the whole of diet approach and making sure that we're not um, so focused on one nutrient or one um, food group. It's it's about, you know, how those nutrients interact in the whole of diet. So because my PhD is on that and, I, and I'm becoming an expert in that field, I know that when I'm writing a post, I'm very comfortable with how my words are, are being portrayed and people, again, are going to be, are going to resonate a lot better with that than if I were to just post about a nutrition topic. Yeah, that's great. I, I think that's excellent. And I love learning about your background and your family. So it's so nice when you when you can post uh, things that you feel authentic about. And also as a dietitian, sometimes I think we're pressured to talk about everything. And so I love that, you know, of course, you know about sports nutrition, but you stick a little bit more to what, you know, pulling from personal experiences and that builds the no like and trust factor and showcases your authenticity. And people remember that. You know, I remember a video you yeah. did when you were in Lebanon with a different food and your family and uh, those kinds of posts and topics and mediums to tell stories always resonate with um, with your audience. So I think that's that's an excellent example for social media that I think all of us can relate with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, I don't have to speak for you, but, you know, your your success has, you know, absolutely skyrocketed because you just had that vision from very early on. And, and it's great. And it's great that you are um, disseminating that knowledge now that how important it is to find your niche, to find your, your narrow focus. Um, because if, yeah, if you're so broad, everything else is just going to be really broad and confused. If you narrow down... People know who they're looking for and what to find in you. And, yeah, you just essentially boom in that field. And it's – thank you. And it is hard. So it's it's a challenge, but it's also important. And it's just so nice to talk about that and so so great to grasp those concepts. I think a lot of us get scared. Uh, we get scared about feeling limited, but, you know, once you can – get over the fear and try new things I think the clarity uh, the clarity is there well, yeah and as new grad dietitians you know I'm not sure about other uh, countries but um, in 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 Australia it's very clinical focused so we, we do have internships like placements where we go to hospitals to do a clinical placement um, a food service placement and also a community placement and all of those placements, they're very broad. You know, we don't get told at university that dietitians can do so much while narrowing down what, what they're really interested in. So we're sort of kicked out into this reality thinking exactly as you said that we need to know everything. And as new grads as well, we're already so overwhelmed 
Um, and we, yeah, we have this thing in our mind that, okay, we need to make sure that we know about everything got that, that's to do with nutrition because that's the only way forward. Um, and thinking that or, you know, acknowledging that you need to narrow down is, is very scary because already there aren't, I'm not sure about other countries, but there are aren't any job opportunities for dietitians in Australia. So, again, thinking to yourself that you need to narrow down is another scary aspect um, related to um, job jobs in the future. Um, but, yeah, this just goes back to what we were saying before. You're more likely to succeed when you do narrow down. And, you know, by all means, tap, tap your feet in every topic. Tap your feet in, you know, all different topics um, and opportunities and the more opportunities you take on, the more you start to learn yourself what it is that you're actually interested in. And that's essentially exactly what I did. I tried everything and I'm still <laughs> trying everything. But now where I'm at in my career, it's really important that I do start to say no to things and let maybe the, the newborn dietitians tap, tap their feet. Um, and their toes into um, a broad variety of things so that they start to learn themselves what it is that um, where they want to make that change. So I can't change the world, but yeah. as a dietitian, as a unity, we need to work really hard together and respect everyone's speciality um, and then bring all of those things together and together as dietitians we can change the world not as not as a single person as a unity as a community I couldn't agree with you anymore and I'm so glad that you're representing dietetics in Australia because that's that's just so true and I also want to ask you what gave you the courage I think a lot you know speaking on behalf of dietitians who might feel afraid or they're struggling internally, what gave you the courage to tap your feet and try so many different things, which I absolutely recommend? Like, how did you do that? How did you just allow yourself to, to dabble? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, dabbling. Um, so knowing, knowing in my third and fourth year that the, um, you know, I'm, I'm I may not be able to just finish uni and just get a job, you know, just like that. I made sure that throughout my uh, student life, I volunteered in anything and everything. You know, some volunteer opportunities had nothing to do with nutrition and some did to some extent. So I volunteered, um, for example, with a non-nutrition non um, position, it, Starlight for Kids, which is essentially an organisation based at a women's and children's hospital that um, goes around to wards and just plays with the um, sick children and just, you know, basically just puts a smile on their face. So although it's not a nutrition-driven um, opportunity, you're on the wards, you're meeting the dietitians on the wards, you're meeting the doctors on the wards. So the position itself may not be related to what you want to do, but it's that connection and the networking that you might get from doing something you never thought you would, um, you know, you would be interested in. And then the other end of the spectrum is volunteering at um, Jamie Oliver's um, pop-up kitchen which is which was basically cooking classes where um 
mostly low socioeconomic um, background participants came and just learned how to cook healthy on a budget. And I helped wash dishes and, you know, shop for the groceries and things like that. But um, I wasn't able to actually teach the classes, but I learned then how to how to teach um, cooking and what to say while I'm cooking, which then drove me to um, go out to the community um, places myself and start doing my own cooking classes as a part of my business. Um, and then, yeah, throughout all, all those uh, uni experiences, at the end of uni, I had a you know good amount of networks, good amount of contacts. Um, and then through, through one of the volunteer opportunities, which was through a uh, council, obesity prevention and lifestyle program for children, I got my first two-month contract. So, um, you know, we always, we always hear this, you know, networking, volunteer, do this, do that. Um, but I just really can't tell you how important that is. Honestly, it, it's... And it's always the things that you never thought would help you in life that that end up doing so. Um, and and I never stopped. Even when I when I graduated, uh, although I was working, I was still volunteering on the weekends. I was still making sure that I went to all the networking events that the DAA were holding, um, and making sure. I was really active on social media um, because it's not just Australian dietitians and professionals you need to meet. It's international because, yeah, again, those opportunities, you know, we live in this technology world where we are one whole world. We're not separated anymore by, by distance or time, um, obviously. <laughs> so it's really important, yeah, to, you know, double um even though you might not think that it's it's the right thing or it's you know in a in a position that you don't really want to be in you just never know what might actually come out of it I couldn't agree anymore with everything you've said between networking and niching down and seizing opportunities and outside of dietetics. I mean, it's so important. I just want to ask, like, what gave you, I think a lot of dietitians or students would turn their nose up at cleaning and dishwashing and they would get upset and some people might think that they don't want to do that type of work or volunteer. So what gave you the motivation and drive to stick with it, knowing there was a payoff still, like what made you decide to do that? Because to me, that seems very innovative and smart, but I think maybe people aren't registering with how important that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing I think it comes down to um, my work ethic. So I was raised in a um, environment where working and making sure you're always uh, busy and doing something with your life is really, really important, no matter what it is. So even if you're there, you know, cleaning or, you know, washing dishes, um, you're still doing something. It's always going to be better than you sitting at home on the couch watching TV or just being, you know, unproductive. Um, and I always, I was also raised, you know, with, with that mentality of you just never know what might come out of a opportunity. So just go out there. You might need to be cleaning toilets. I've never cleaned toilets. It was just the dishes. <laughs> but you, even even if it is to that extent, um, you know, you, you never know what 
might actually come out of that. And my auntie actually is, is a very good example of that. She started, um, she was a cleaner in a hospital um, in Lebanon and um, when she was maybe 16 or 17 and she made a really good connection with one of the nurse managers and this nurse manager just helped her just um, increase her knowledge um, and now she's basically just managing uh, the admin or the staff of uh, the nurses. So she's the head of the nurse uh, admin department. So you can see like, you know, you, you may start down here, but as long as you just keep going with that work ethic and you don't, you know, it, it's really important that you stay modest and you stay humble, you know, no matter what you are, what position that you have in life, um, just always put your hand up for for an opportunity, no matter what opportunity it may be. So obviously when you're a new grad, it's going to be a different opportunity to when you've got 20 years experience, but you should never, you know, have your nose lifted up too much and say to yourself, you know, I'm too good for this or anything like that. Um, because that's basically just what blocks opportunities and just what blocks your mind from actually getting out there. And as I said before, tap into it, try it. If you don't like it, stop, you know, as long as you tried it. And it's the same thing we say to kids. If you don't like broccoli um, or cauliflower, you've never tasted it. So how do you know that you actually like it? When you taste it, if you still don't like it, you don't have to eat it. Um, and it, it, that basically is um, reflected in everything we do in life. Just try it first and then decide if you're going to pursue it or not. I couldn't agree more once again. I love it all. I, I absolutely agree. So, you know, trying broccoli is akin to washing dishes when you might feel personally like that's not something you should be responsible for. So your success is a direct reflection of your positive attitude and work ethic. And I love hearing your story because it's inspiring and you have so much going on for yourself. And really, it just shows dietitians that with a good attitude, you can achieve your passion and higher education. So, yeah, I love it. Do you, have, do you have a professional resource or like um, a book or a podcast or something or someone who's a go-to when it comes to like motivation and staying on track with keeping up a positive attitude? Hmm, I think my I, role models um, would be uh, my mentor. So um, it's really important to find a mentor that you can just um, have a conversation with once a month, maybe once every three months, just to touch base. And um, and I'm known to divert my focus a lot. So those um, uh, catch-ups really just bring me back to my focus and bring me back to where I'm actually supposed to be. Um, in terms of you know, motivational podcasts and things like that. Not, not really. I think it, I think it's just the personal connections that I have with colleagues um, and mentors and supervisors. I think that's really good for keeping me on track. And I think the biggest thing as well is verbalising to your connections, your colleagues, how you like to stay on top of things. So how 
how you'd like to um, make sure people are holding you accountable. So, for example, I've told my supervisors and my mentor and my mentors is um, tell me say it like it needs to be said. So I don't want any fluffing around or, you know, you could try this, but try this. I'm a more of a direct person. So don't be afraid to upset me or anything like that. I just need to know um, how it should be essentially. And that's they've taken that feedback on board. And now, you know, when they need to give me feedback, they say it how we should, you know, how it is. They don't, you know, go around. Whereas other personalities, you know, they might get take offence to that. So it's really important to actually verbalise and tell people how you like to um, get feedback, What's what type of, you know, what type of message or what type of, Dial. I don't know, I can't find the word. Yeah. <laughs> what type of... Um, you know, what type of way people should talk to you that will make you um, really take on that feedback, not at a personal level but as a, at a professional level. And I think that's what keeps me accountable um, and that way I make sure that everyone around me knows, you know, I, I like to work hard and I, liked, I like other people telling me if I'm doing something not to the best of my ability I, I do want to hear it and that's that's my motivation to just keep going and make sure that I am always on that right track and not diverting too much in um, all directions. Fantastic. I love it. And I think you say it's a personality. I also think it's an attribute. I think it's self-awareness. So when you have the ability to understand yourself and then communicate that to someone else, it only strengthens the relationship. So again, you know, Sticking with your niche, networking, and then communicating what works with your style, your learning style. That, that's how you get ahead. And you're an example of that. So your clarity on all these topics is just so impressive. So, you know, it's so nice being able to talk to you in depth and hearing your, your story in dietetics and your community of other mentors and colleagues and how your attitude has shaped your opportunities. And it's... I love it. I love the backstory. Excellent. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. So do, you, do you have any, any final thoughts um, as we wrap up the podcast? Um, I think we've touched on, on plenty of things. Um, I think if, if I were to really say something and being very um, – I've just come back from the Dietitians Association of Australia's national conference, the 35th national conference. So the theme was think big. Um, and I feel, you know, maybe a little bit more motivated than usual, but just a little bit more motivated. I'm always motivated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the biggest thing that I took um, from that conference is the importance of dietitians working together um, I find now dietitians are tapping into all sorts of things. And an example that I can think of is the group that are driven by health at every size um, as opposed to the group that are driven still by weight. And both of those groups are perfect the way they are, you know, you know, in, in situations where someone needs to be approached with the health at every size um, approach needs to go to a haze dietitian, whereas other people that that's not suitable for them 
need to go to a you know weight loss driven dietitian but I think we need to really limit that gap between and this, this is just an example between those two groups um, you know no matter where where what background or what beliefs um, a dietitian comes from it's really important to stay to keep an open mind about what their colleagues are putting out and teaching about and tweeting about and Instagramming about. And it's really, really important as a profession nationally and internationally that dietitians don't go against each other. The comments that we provide to each other need to be really, again, open-minded um, and we need to show the world that we are nutrition experts and but we shouldn't take that expertise as a I know it all, I know more than every other dietitian because that really reduces our reputation as, as a profession because if dietitians amongst themselves are arguing, it gives the public and just lay persons the opportunity to argue with us as well as a profession. So the biggest thing that I took from that conference is we need to work as a community. We need to unite as dietitians, no matter what background, what approach we take to our practice. We need to just build on to each other, making you know, not covering someone else's expertise, just building on on it. Um, and if it's something we might not agree with so much, we shouldn't make that public. We should just, you know, approach it in a really professional manner and you never know what might come out of it. You might actually end up working with that dietitian you once disagreed with. So I think that's that's the biggest thing that I've uh, recently really, I've always respected it, but now I really respect it and I think dietitians should really, really think hard about that. Um, I agree. Because, well. yeah, we live in a world... Yeah, we live in a world where everyone's a nutrition expert. Um, so it's really important that we come out as, you know, another level of expertise while working together. I, I think that's the best answer for how to differentiate ourselves as a dietitian, and it's to respect each other and then niche down independently. So synergistically respect and work among another, and then internally we have to hone in on one, one topic <laughs> and go with that. So that's just... To conclude our conversation, this has been so awesome and such a pleasure to talk to you in depth. And we ran the whole gamut between social media to PhD program to, I get, you know, takeaways from what's going on right now in dietetics and what dietitians need to be aware of. I think all dietitians should be thinking about this conversation. So, um, yeah. So much for chatting with me. I can't wait to, to put you put this clip on my Instagram and then post up the podcast. So very fun. I can't wait to hear back to it because I have I, I've already forgotten what I've said. Well, it's, been, it's been great. So I'll enjoy re-listening as well. So excellent. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Libby. And yeah, as always, I'll be on Instagram and you know the social media and just following your great work. And honestly, keep going with what you're doing because we need you. We definitely need you in this profession. And you being our international sort of again, I've lost words, but our international face, I guess, for dietitians, you know, I couldn't think of anyone better than that. And, you know, I just can't wait for the day we actually get to meet um, 
one-on-one in person, I think it would just be great. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you so much and likewise. Good morning, everyone. It's Lisa Butler here from the cancer team on Level 5. Just reminding you all to come down to Level 4 at 10.30 for our biggest supporting key fundraiser for Cancer Council SA. And they're so important because they not only support my research but many other researchers in this building as well as being a foundation funder of SAMRI. So we've got more than 29 courses of sweet and savoury treats. You'd be able to cut this out, won't you? I'll cut it out. Thanks so much for your support. I'm going to log off then. So thank you so much, Joyce. We'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, Libby. (laughs) Bye. Good night. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining today. If you too are interested in positioning yourself as an expert among your niche, building a lasting impact and possibly managing multiple streams of income, feel free to apply for one-on-one coaching. I help both exercise and nutrition professionals. You can apply on my Instagram link in my bio at Libby Rothschild or check out my website, LibbyRothschild.com or send me an email. Say hello. I'd love to meet you.